Hey, I'm Julia. And I'm Sam. And you're listening to the 29-Hour Podcast. This week we talk to actress, new work enthusiast, and two-time rib injury survivor, Elise Allen Lewis. Enjoy! marketing as an actor too like uh-huh. very uncomfortable yeah really uncomfortable yeah yeah i don't want to like inundate everyone's like lives with like, just like trying to promote something over and over and over you know i'd like i but then again you know when it when i see it on my facebook wall or like in my email or whatever like i'm always excited to hear about my friends projects so why do I, why do i have that double standard in my head <laughs> well, you're probably excited for most, but like, do you see some and you're like, eh, I don't like it. Yeah. But then again, like those are people I probably shouldn't be like connected to on social media or you know what I mean? Like, or like those are like email blasts I should be unsubscribing from. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, fu- that's, that's just a part of it, you know, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I think there can be a trickle down sometimes though too. Like I, I'm a little uncomfortable self-marketing. And also in rooms that I work in, I, I kind of hang back from being as assertive as I want to be. Mm. And so then I think there's, I think they're connected a little bit. Like the fact that I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want anyone else to be put out by my marketing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But just even getting it out there is, is a feat. And feeling like, okay, no, I want you to know about this. And it's not that much trouble for you to just read this. Right. And and know the information. But yes, we're harder on ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, like, you know, I can't. What? Is everyone like that? Or is it just us? <laughs> I think everyone's like that a little bit. Okay. I always think it must be harder for actors, too, because I feel like you guys in some ways have even less control. Like, if I have a <laughs> concert and, like, I post the videos from the concert and I always wonder, like... I have had people once or twice been like, can you please untag me from that? But like you must have so many other people marketing you and that must feel weird. Oh, interesting. Right. I never thought about it like that. I I don't have so many other people marketing <laughs> me. I have a, a couple, I guess. But um, I, I thought you were going to say like the thing that makes me feel weird is like I don't necessarily have a whole lot of ownership over the things that I do in the way mm-hmm. that you do because you're the like author. So sometimes it feels weird. I don't know. I always say I always see people posting on social media things like, um, uh, like this was the best um, project I've ever been a part of, and I'm like, oh, um, at the expense of all the other projects that you've also been a part of, that now they're all lot. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how those two things relate, but they like somehow related in my head. Of just like it's not like it. It makes a, a whole lot of sense for you as a writer to say like. Like, this is something I'm super proud of, and I think it's my best work to date. But, like, as an actor, if you're talking about a project you, like, got attached to, and you're saying, like, it's the best thing, I don't know. It just feels like a different type of statement. Yeah, it sort of relates to what you were saying about the, like, being afraid to speak up in the room. Like, there's just all these ways to be on, and it seems like you have to always be vigilant. Right. Or maybe shouldn't be, but, like, self-imposed. Yes. Feel that you should be. Because I also find that there's a lot of kind actors. There's just also a lot of assholes. Yeah. And so then I don't know where I fit. You are oh, kind. Well, I, think me, I guess what I mean is I, I want to know to myself, like I can ride the, I can still be assertive and I can put myself out right. there, but I'm not annoying. Right. And I can still, I can still ride a line of yeah. wanting to market myself. Um, and feeling like that can be heard and that's okay for that to be heard and whoever wants to unsubscribe from whatever list that I send out, that's fine. Whoever wants to see the information but not come, that's mm-hmm. fine. And I'm still, I'm, I'm still not like on the whole other side of the, the asshole front. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we're in the it's middle. Hard to, it's hard to gauge like within yourself. I think it, hmm. and, and, but it feels scary to like try it to like see how far you can push it <laughs> yeah because yeah. then if you cross the line then you're like oh shit i was an asshole yes yes do you think either yes. of you have 
I don't think either of you have ever been an asshole. No, I know we haven't. I, I feel as though we haven't. Um, but these, are, but I, I think about it a lot. Yeah. And it sounds like you do too. I, I'm totally obsessive. Like, because, I just, oh my God. Because it's, because, you know, I, I'm always constantly worried that like I'm pushing a little too hard and then maybe I like fall back a little more than I have to, mm. you know? So it's dangerous in that way. Yeah. I'm realizing there also is this sort of like myth of like, the person who was so good, they didn't need to market. And like, maybe that's why I'm sort of like apprehensive about it. That's right. inter- that's interesting because I feel like I think about that sometimes that like the, the, like the scene of the industry in the past was a whole lot different than it is now. What with all of this social media and like um, just the internet period, the ability to like hawk your wares on a much wider scale and be a better advocate for yourself. Whereas like, I feel like, in in olden days it was much easier uh, it was much easier because it was much harder to to see a wide array of talent like whoever you're exposed to is who you're exposed to and those Mm -hmm. are the people that you know and you know ethel merman got a whole lot of exposure on that broadway stage and so all of the writers were like yes ethel merman ethel merman you know uh, that's a weird example but (laughs) like um you know we like who who were the like Jason Sweetooth Williams of the fifties and sixties? You know I what wish I, mean? I knew more about the fifties, sixties, so we could play that game right now. Oh. But then, but then again, like, was there such a thing as like that person who's mm-hmm. like the darling of this like community who like maybe hasn't had this big success like on Broadway yet or whatever? Like, did that exist because it was a totally different culture? Yeah. And so I think maybe that myth of like the people who don't need to market themselves comes from that world where like it actually is true. And now it's such a different um, culture. Hellscape. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. (laughs) It's interesting. I'm thinking about with you just saying like people who haven't had their big thing because you had like a Broadway show very early on. Yeah, I did. Yes. And I think that came with its own um its own weight in some ways because I I felt like when I when I got that job I was thinking a lot about how I had worked as a kid so that job was almost like giving back to like so many years that I that you know that my that I was driving in for auditions with my mom and and her spending all the you know like my parents spending all this time um, bringing me in and out of New York and feeling like, oh, this is, it's, it's happening now. And I felt a pressure, like why it, it didn't happen earlier. Huh. Um, oh, wow. That's so much responsibility. Yeah. And, and I think that once I, I realized that then when I, I, I was doing that Broadway show that like, it's a, it's a very, it's a different experience, I think, than everyone thinks in, in a lot of ways uh, for, and different for everyone, like in, once you start that eight show week and everything. Yeah. Um, so then once it ended, I felt like college had just ended then. Huh. And I felt as though um, I've, I, kn- I was more aware also of the things that I really wanted to try for and what I wanted after that first experience. Um, like what? I think, I think replacing in a long running show mm. is, is its own thing. Mm. Um, I think, it's a beautiful experience because especially with Mamma Mia, they they're such a wonderful family of people. And since the show was running for 15 years at that point, it was, it was 2009. So they were running for eight. I think I was there for their like eighth anniversary party. And so many people have come through those doors. They've had babies, they've gotten married, they've left the show, they've come back. Um, there's vacation swings that have, they come back every so often. There's people that pop in, pop out. So they all knew each other so well. That was the amazing part about it. You have this like community of Mm. wonderful artists with you. But I think then there was this other part about it where it's, I, I think a lot of people use this comparison that you're fitting into shoes that aren't yours. Um, yeah. you know, like a resident director is kind of teaching you the show and you're, encouraged to really show your individuality when you're auditioning and then I feel like there's a realization that happens once you get in the schedule and once you start rehearsing at least in this position I felt um where you're you are still a little tied yeah to how the show has been because the show's still happening 
like as you're rehearsing and you're just like fitting yourself into it when yes you're going and, in. and we were lucky because we had we had um like 13 new people come oh in, wow something like and we had a full four weeks so um it felt like a very like fresh energy of people gotcha. who don't have a lot of experience with the show yeah and who are coming in and learning it together and then that's interesting because your energy is so different from those who have been there like everybody's got to adjust <laughs> those first couple shows because I feel like um the new the new people I know I was like running on like high energy really high energy where I was like oh my god like <laughs> and I think everybody else I mean they've been do- some of some of these folks have been there the whole time right um and I put a lot of pressure on myself in that uh-huh. position I'm I sure. really did I put like a lot of pressure on myself and um I felt after you know six or seven months uh that itch to like start the next thing hmm. um yeah it was an interesting experience was that had you w- was was how was that the longest you'd ever done that was the longest i've ever done a show yeah it to this still day, is still, to yeah. this day it reminds me this is sort of a random poll but my hairdresser's boyfriend <laughs> is a cook and apparently she was saying that like when you hire cooks they always sign a year. They have to sign a year contract, I guess, at a lot of the good restaurants. Oh, yeah. Because after six or seven months, the cooks are like, they've cooked everything on the menu. <laughs> they've got it under control. And that's when they want to go. Like, just when they're being their best possible chef for that restaurant is when they want to leave and learn something else. Right. Oh. Right. And it, it is. It's very similar, you know, because then you're, then I'm feeling like, okay, well, what else can I try for? Yeah. Also, is it possible for me to now have the opportunity to try for things where I'm going to create it. Yeah. You know, that yeah. still was always in my brain. I don't think I ever, like, and, and I, I think that's different for everybody too, because I still think there's a lot of folks who, you know, maybe don't have the opportunity while like they're working in Midtown eight shows a week to work on new material, but like, like while they're like yeah. during the, during the day at concerts on Mondays, right. <laughs> like I, I loved that after I, felt like I graduated NYU I felt like I came out with all these wonderful people who I started working with at grad yeah that I was who were your like first like first new work people I think Anna Jacobs and Maggie K Coleman Mm. were two of the first so was Katya Stanislavskaya Um, I love all those people that's that's so I'm I'm very curious about a lot of the things that you just said because I I also think that there are a lot of actors who aren't necessarily super interested in being involved in these new works and are more interested in sort of that like splashy glamorous or, you know, quote unquote glamorous um, Broadway show. And I, I guess I'm like the way you said it, you just, it sounded like you sort of assumed everyone felt the same way as you. And I'm just wondering like, like why do you feel that way? I mean, I feel the same way, but I'm wondering why you feel that way. I felt like I really found my own strengths starting to do projects on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a composer or a lyricist, but man, do I love getting in a room and feeling like I can bring something to what's written. Yeah. I find such joy in that and, and, a, and such collaboration in that part of things. Um, and, I like that there's such a there's there's a part of it that you 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 can't know until you're you're there and you're trying new pages of music and then you're swapping out something else and you're trying a new scene and right right there it's like all these light bulbs going off at once and I feel like I'm watching them and then I'm also a light bulb and we all are trying to work (laughs) off each other and I I appreciate that type of of collaboration and I think that that's not always when you're um you know kind of say not being on the ground floor first like replacing in a show where I haven't gotten to see the processes before um I also like that sometimes it can be fragmented you can take something out of context at a concert from a new show Mm -hmm. I may never touch the whole story yeah but that that part of it if I was helpful at all for the writers i I love that. Yeah. I feel like if I can, if I can bring something to light that then helps them hear something in the writing, they're like, okay, well now we're going to go in this direction. Um, and it, it's, it's definitely 
it's one of those times where as the selfish actor, I feel so much a part of something broader. Yeah. I feel like a stroke in the whole painting. Mm. And I feel like I like that. It's, it's, it's our own detailed stroke we're creating. It's all of us. Um, sometimes that gets forgotten. Like I, I feel like in, um, a lot of like conservatory programs, you know, you're, you feel like you're all after the same goal. So it can be a a bit of a pressure cooker where it feels like you're all competing against each other when really there's room for everyone. Right. I believe I try to remind myself of that (laughs) when I'm like having a bad day. And so Mm. I kind of feel like, um, sometimes as much as you're taught, like, well, theater's about collaboration, new projects are being made all the time. We have to collaborate, put something together uh that that is not that feeling that that is not always in the room yeah, then when mm-hmm. you start Definitely. especially with actors it yeah. feels sometimes like like i i feel very expendable to the people who are asking me to be like i remember one time i got approached after a performance of something i did and they were like oh um you're great we're doing a reading you know sometime in the next couple of months like we would love to have you and i was like great it sounds it felt to me like they had seen what i bring to the table they liked it and they wanted me to be a part of this other project and then when I got the um when I got the email they they sent me an email eventually about this thing and when I got it the part that they were interested in me for was like had nothing to do with anything I presented in the thing that they saw and was just like just not a good fit for what I what I do what I bring to the table and um I also wasn't available so I just sent them an email saying Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't. I can't make that that time frame work. And they wrote back saying, "Okay, well, do you have any other friends you could recommend?" And I was like, "Oh, so it wasn't about me. It was just about like having a body in the room." And sometimes that's such a gross feeling. Yeah. Sometimes it's not, not. Uh, that's that's just not what you want. Yeah. It makes us feel small. Yeah. Well, it's interesting hearing both of you guys talk about having a sense of responsibility and ownership over the final product. I remember, I think one of the very first times that we ever worked together, we'd like maybe been in a room together like once and we sort of cold emailed you because we'd seen you do stuff that we liked. And I remember I sent you a song and you emailed me back being like, in the nicest, most eloquent, kind, polite way possible, being like, if this goes down a step, it will be good. As is, (laughs) I just, we are not going to have the end result we want. And like completely egoless, but just like, we are, you know, we both want this to be good, <laughs> and it was so helpful. I feel like not everyone does that. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah that's it, great. It actually took me a really long time to get to a place where I felt comfortable doing that because, like, in this world where like actors are often made to feel expendable, you want to be able to say, "Yes, I'll do anything you want. I will do anything you want, even if that thing, even if the thing that they're telling you that they want." Um, you are not actually the right person to do, but -hmm. you just like want that job because you're made to feel like it's the only one that's ever going to get thrown your way, you know? And so eventually I started realizing that like when I say yes to all these things that like I'm not a great fit for, not only does like the writer doesn't get what they want in terms of like if it's a developmental process, they don't get to see like, you know, how it should be looking or if it's a play, then, you know, the, the actual production just doesn't come off as well as it could. And me, I'm not like using that time to like, I, I've watched a lot of actors in shows where they're not a great fit for the material. And it's just sort of like, I know they're so talented, but it's hard to tell from from watching that in that scenario and i i started realizing i started realizing that like if i am constantly taking these things where it's just not a good fit then like everyone is going to keep thinking either i'm not very I, i i'm not the right person for anything or uh i, j- I just totally lost my train of thought no, but like I, I, was just I had to get to yeah. a point where where i felt comfortable saying like this is what I do mm-hmm. and these are the things that I, I would love to collaborate with you, but I think we need to find a middle ground. Which is totally reasonable. Yeah. That's great. Especially, wha- I mean, what you're talking about is like changing keys and like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time worrying that if I asked to change a key that the writer or anyone would think like, oh, he can't do it. But it's actually like, oh, he wants to make it the best it can be. Yeah. 
I always, something I feel like I struggle with also, like hearing you talk about like being in the room in the collaborative process mm -hmm. and being able to shape things, I think is so true and so magical. And I'm always trying to balance not being this weird, like, control freak you know because when you're doing stuff in the room for the first time I feel like you do so much of like you're like actually that's an F sharp and like sure not wanting to squash you know what I mean but, I always but probably listening to it and knowing like you've been with it longer than we have so then having this idea of like you know you really want to see it uh like function the way that you've yeah. been writing it you, yeah. you know what I mean so I'm sure it's hard to listen in at an early stage of anything yeah yeah <laughs> because we're all learning it and we're all like <laughs> like we don't you know looking at something for the first time like we're nervous and trying to jump in as the actors yeah and we want to get it we want to get it I guess right is not the right word but we we want to we want the vision to be like you mm -hmm. saw it so yeah. then I'm sure it is difficult to be like so when do I step in to say like okay like this is not the right note that you're singing and I want you to sing that note but also you're learning it and this is yeah. the process and also yeah. eventually maybe we'll all discover that the reason you had the same thing not to do that made sense and it should be a different yes, thing yeah yeah that's quite a balance yeah and very vulnerable I can imagine and it is also because again you know like it's always so bootstrappy when you're doing new work you're like if nothing else I want this to be fun for the people who are doing mm. it yeah and it's so it's hard to like balance like having it be like a fun time with inevitably you have like 10 hours less than you wanted and you're in a weird shabby space sometimes and all that stuff yeah so i i i, <laughs> I want to come back to mama mia <laughs> oh sure because yeah. i'm really curious about how that happened for you like how because you sort of went right into it after you graduated college so i so i finished I finished classes in in December uh -huh. um, and had like a, sh a showcase at that time. Uh -huh. I think is that how that worked? I think I I think I finished like the semester before I would have finished because I like took mm -hmm. a class, you know, and this I was like, right. let me get this class like <laughs> out of the way. Yeah. Um, and then I I I had I had my showcase and I, I showcases are also. I don't I, I don't know. I know they're very fascinating and I feel like there's so many other ways of doing a showcase that's not an actual showcase we all sing 16 bars all that. Anyway, right. I had a showcase and I um I'm I had met an agent through a master class. Um and his name's David Krasner and and uh he just was he had such faith in me from this master class. And so when he came to the showcase, he then like, you know, brought up meeting and everything and we did um, and so I felt like before graduation, I was starting to kind of like, like I was done school, but I was auditioning and trying to get my feet wet with like, oh gosh, I've been down the street from where I want to be, but how do I get into this world? Mm -hmm. Like what door do I, you know, but I was excited to audition. And also for me, it was kind of this thing where, you know, my, my mom and I uh, were always doing this stuff together when yeah. I was little. Yeah. So now feeling like, oh, I'm an adult. And I'm also, in, I've been, I would encounter in college teachers who had worked with me as a kid. So yeah. there were a lot of people along the way that then I'm, I'm kind of feeling like, um, I, I feel that faith to, oh, I'm, I'm seeing relationships come back around. I feel like this is a new time. I'm excited to audition, see, see how I can pave my own way. But these folks that I love so much are here to support, you know. Um, and I think I, I did this production of Babes in Arms before Mamma Mia!, um, it was a workshop of Babes in Arms, uh -huh. and that was, like, my first um, kind of project after school. I missed graduation to <gasps> do it. It was I was playing the Judy Garland character, uh -huh. um, and it was directed and choreographed by Randy Skinner. And it was funny because I, I got, like, when auditioning for it, um, the cast director was like, you have to get into tap classes and keep going. And so I definitely tapped, but I was like, oh, I don't know if I can hold my own mm -hmm. with this. Um, and so I, I remember before the callback going to all these classes and I met Randy Skinner in class, like he wow. was in class with me. Ah. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, was happy to just take the class with him. Cause I yeah. go, Oh, maybe it's a, it's a vote of confidence, you know, from the universe a little yeah. bit, like you're going to see each other this week. And so it was kind of a magical experience because Jay Bender who cast that show 
had done a work session with me as a kid for High Society that was here on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm like grown up and I'm yeah. back in the room and I'm singing like My Funny Valentine <sighs> for somebody that I met when I was like nine or ten. Do you feel like um, there is like a straight continuous line from like the work you did as a kid to like you working now or does it feel like different periods in your life? It feels it feels like I, I think about that time a lot and I try to connect with who that kid was now when I'm performing. I find that like sometimes my like creative child inside it's it's her like mm-hmm. it's that it's that person who was in those rooms as a kid just kind of feeling like there was no limits mm-hmm. you know because when you're doing it as a kid everything's the same people kind of treat you like adults in terms of like well you're not right for this no you don't look you, you you're missing a tooth no you don't have boobs yet you need <laughs> to have this you need to have this and like it can be overwhelming but I don't think you're thinking about that as a kid you you're you're just free enough to get in there and and go. Yeah. You know, and I and I think that's what I feel the connection to or trying to actually get back to now. Like now I'm an adult, it's a different period, but I what what was in like that kid. Yeah. And so I finished up Babes in Arms and I that same week that I finished, I had an audition for Mamma Mia and I went to a pre-screen first. So it was just me and Eric Woodall. And that pre-screen is such an interesting thing because you're really just reading sides with the casting director so that they if if it goes well and you're taking direction from them, they'll bring you back in for the whole team. Right. And so I then went back in for the team and I didn't know that, um, that Phyllida Lloyd, who directed the show originally and directed the movie, was in the room. She, had, she happened to be in the room for uh-huh. the auditions for this round. Um, and so I... Like, I can remember my, like, callbacks for it going in, doing Honey Honey a couple more times, doing the scenes, getting direction, being in there for a while, and then having a dance call. Um, And the movement call was super fun, but I felt like I was trying, I was, like, thinking about how can I show that I really, that I move well, but also show that I'm not a dancer and I want to be considered (laughs) for the role that you're looking at me for. Like, I want to be considered for Sophie and so I didn't hear anything for like a month I went to that audition and I it was as if I just had a great time auditioning for it and truly I wasn't thinking about it I was just like whatever and I went home for my dad's birthday like the 23rd of June and I was in the car with my sister and as we got out of the car like to go inside I got a call on my phone and it was David Krasner and he's like, I'm on the way back to my mom's for a birthday party, but I have to give you this news now. Like, I'm out of the office, and, um, you know, how would you feel about joining Mamma Mia for a year? And I was like, oh, great, the tour. And he's like, it's actually going to be on Broadway, and you're going to start in a few months. And I was like, oh, my God, I, like, didn't know what to do. And I called Sam Pinkleton first, um, and I, I was – I – I sat on this news for like four or five days. I didn't know how to talk about it. Yeah. Like I didn't know. Um, and then, you know, started started telling people and got in touch with teachers and told my family and everything. But that was that was Mamma Mia. So I probably the auditions were in like June or something like the early maybe end of May, early June. And um, I started in September uh-huh. and we started rehearsals like. Yeah, August 25th. So uh, almost a four full weeks i think i opened like september 22nd 2009 wow that's interesting that you say you didn't know how to tell people did you worry that (laughs) i think i think there were a couple things going on i think i was like there's something about it feeling like there i felt also that it was like my own news like i also was like is this real like are they calling the right person (laughs) like i felt this sense of like what um I, yeah, that was such an incredible. I remember, I remember that feeling of just like being in bed and and knowing I had this news that was gonna be, in in a lot of ways like life changing for me, but also, like to be able to tell my parents specifically who had, like spent so much time kind of getting me into the professional business world of this from a young age but never moving to New York. So always having a life of like, I'm doing school and I'm leaving for jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm taking homework with me and I'm coming back. Like having this very like, oh my God, what are we, 
you know, it's a, it's a crazy life for the parents that are also helping kids in that part of the business yeah. because you're you have to be right by them and helping them out, and it's a commitment for them as much as it is for like the child. Yeah, um, and the other thing I'm really interested about about Mamma Mia and joining Mamma Mia was, did you already sort of, you said like coming from school, you sort of had this community of, of writers who ended up at NYU grad who you were like working on this new yeah, stuff with. Yeah, yeah. Were you, were you thinking of that as like, a, like as you were entering, as you were, you know, finishing school and entering the professional world and joining Mamma Mia, were you thinking about that? Or was it sort of like a realization of like, oh, this is more my speed. Do you know what I'm trying to ask? I think I felt like, especially towards the end of my time at NYU, because I was at Cap 21, mm -hmm. and I felt like that showcase time where everybody's starting to talk about, it's a, it's a kind of dreadful time. Everybody's in a different place, but everybody starts to talk about like what their status is as an actor, meaning like, are you meeting with this agent? Oh, uh -huh. man, Are you starting to audition at these open calls? Are you lined up at equity every day? Are you not? Are you do like you just start to feel like you're talking about this information because you're spending all this time together right. making your showcase and everybody is at a different place. Meaning right. some people have been auditioning for months. Some people I felt like in my class had left school like two years before mm -hmm. this to get jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, they left for a job. Um, and so I think I was thinking that I think I was thinking of what I had learned. Like, I want to find out my type. I want to jump in to this, like, commercial part of it. Yeah. Um, and I think the importance of the ground floor level fulfillment, that realization that I actually needed that, that that was something that really fulfilled me, it came in, like, waves after yeah. that year of feeling like, now I really know the... The, the uh, like the reward this provides. Yeah. Like now I'm, because it, it doesn't really, I'm at a place now where it's, it's like I care about the project mm -hmm. yeah. and I want all those commercial things, but I care about the work and I care about that creative collaborative energy, even though sometimes I fight it, even though sometimes I'm more selfish than other times and at other times I'm not selfish enough. So uh -huh. some kind of balance in between it all. But I don't think I I was going for right after school. Like, yes, I'm going to sing. I'm going to go to these auditions. I'm going to, like, try. And, and, of course, I guess dipping into having representation at that time, you're going out for the things that are also, like, your introduction to a lot of, like, the casting directors in the business and their casting projects that are you know, regional here in New York, off Broadway. I think that you almost have to have, you. I, I don't know if you feel this way, but when you're collaborating on things that are of a ground floor nature, a new nature, you kind of have to, you got to just get to know those writers. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. it's not like a, you're not really auditioning for it. You're being asked to just <laughs> come by, right. you know, for a week and try this or a couple days or, hey, we're doing this concert. I'm so thankful for that part of it. Yeah. You know, and I, I when you were saying before um, how there are some people who are like, like strive for that sort of more glamorous. Yeah. I actually feel, I feel inside that I work with more actors who they don't know, like they want to, they either don't have an awareness that that stuff's happening and, and, I'm always somebody who like talks about all of that yeah. when I'm in a I process. Like, like I yeah. love to talk about like, well, hey, do you want to do like a thesis reading over at, well, here's the person that maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's others who like they're, they're not aware of its yeah. importance in connecting. Like it they're, they're not aware. I think about that a lot because when I was in college, I was in college in Ohio. I was nowhere near New York and um, I loved, you know, going on, YouTube was new when I was in college, but I loved going on YouTube oh, yeah. and like finding these videos from these like, you know, uh, quote unquote up and coming writers and getting really excited about them. But it wasn't like real in my head that like that was sort of a part of the business that I could find myself in because when you're sort of like in this pipeline of like 
um, school and becoming an actor, like no one's talking about like, oh, development. Everyone's saying like the goal is these big productions. And right. It's just, y- there, yeah, there isn't a whole lot of um, um, awareness along the way of like the value of that part of the industry. And I think now, you know, uh, there's a, I know in thinking about like NYU and its trajectory with development, Mm-hmm. I feel as though now the Tisch program, yeah. the musical theater program, does yeah. really totally. have that connection of, hey, this is a good... And it's not... I don't even think it's just a positive experience because of, um, like, touching a lot of new material. I think it also is about how it it shows you, like, how you are in a room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It gives you an idea of... and and it t- And you can learn from others with you. About yeah. like how how do we learn something quickly but give it everything we have? Yeah. How do we make this something that we're taking seriously, even though it's a couple days and there's no promise that this will that this will materialize into something? How do we make the connection with this composer, lyricist um, that we're meeting? How do we make this connection here so that we can collaborate more in the future? It's like a whole it's a whole learning experience and sort of like etiquette yeah, as well. Totally. I love that. Yeah. I, d- I did the, the new studio on Broadway. Do, do, they oh, do workshops. Yeah, yeah. I did it two years in a row now and it's the best. That's amazing. Like even just from the writer's perspective, like they give it enough time that the kids are fully off book. And like, we did have sort of like set and lights and costumes. That's so amazing. Really, really get to see your show. And like the kids are so talented. Yes. And, like, I felt like the kids we had this year, like were super, super professional and wonderful in the room. And I don't know how they got that. I guess that's just like good education or they are good kids. Yeah. And sometimes it's the grouping. Like yeah. it's just, it's, it's the people that you have in the room at that time, you know? And, that's what I loved about that first summer at grad too. Yeah. With Jeff, Shoshana and Katya. Yeah. Maggie was stage managing <sighs> that production. Rob Heller directed. Oh. And it was um, Molly McAdoo, me, and Shayna Taub. And it was. It's a great cast. It was like. It was so cool to work on this. Mm-hmm. It's interesting also thinking about the grad school readings because like I remember feeling just so dire about everything having to do with my thesis musical and really feeling like this might be the only one I ever write and like this is it everything has got to be like I was just really really like angsty and fever pitch about it yes and I feel so much better (laughs) about everything like being out of it but I wonder if any of that ever passes on to the actors who come in because I feel like for the actors who come in, it's like, you've done a million of these. You sort of see it for what it is. It's fun and exciting, but it's, you know, 29 hours. I know. I always wish it was longer. Yeah, 29 hours is such an interesting thing. Yeah. I actually did a, a thesis this past year with Rob Heller. But Rob. it was, instead of uh, four days, it was only three days. Mm-hmm. But it was still the same length. Whoa. It was, it was they thought it was going to be shorter because of, um, reasons I won't go into but it ended up being like 85 minutes instead of 90 but still 85 minutes yes and they gave us about half the time because we also didn't have that weekend it's normally you know Thursday Friday you take right. two days off for the weekend to let it marinate and then you come back Monday and present Tuesday oh my gosh and we had two days on Tuesday and Wednesday we presented like Thursday at noon and it was it was we we all wish we had just a little longer <laughs> <laughs> I bet yeah I mean sometimes it's too short it feels yeah feels too short and sometimes what i am finding too is sometimes i wish there was a little more communication about um how something really really fast benefits the like it does benefit the writers but sometimes because we're learning it too fast as the actor Mm -hmm. it actually doesn't Mm -hmm. it it in my mind i'm like well did this serve did this serve your purpose because i feel like we didn't have enough time to learn it yeah. the best yeah. we could. It does feel like there's some idea of leveling up, and it's like below a certain threshold, it's not the thing. Right. I know, I know. And that's hard to have conversations about because I, at least I'm finding that there's times where I'm part of a process uh, that I don't, feel, I don't feel comfortable in 
in the amount that we're learning, but I don't know. I only learn that once I'm there and I'm not sure how to have the conversation of like, well, we actually needed this music way before we got it. We needed to be listening to this more than a few days before the reading or we needed to be this, this actually needed to be more together for us to learn it. Those conversations are difficult. It's like you were saying about being assertive in the room and it's like, probably they don't know that and probably they do need someone to yes. say that to them but oh it's hard to make yourself like especially as the actor because then I'm like well I'm I'm trying to also just like I'm I'm trying to stay sharp and and just try to bring a character to things that I'm passionate about things that I'm working about things a, a writer that I just want to try to see what this is like working together and I don't it's like then in the process of learning it there's almost like no time for me to like the energy of being like hey you know what this was too fast I'm then like but I have to put that towards the learning of this <laughs> there's only a couple of right. days like I can't have this conversation right but I but I do feel like there's this there's this disconnect a bit sometimes too I'll see something that's more fully staged than it should be and I'm upset that mm-hmm. that the that say the team would put the actors in that position mm. just so yeah. that the piece because the actors are we're floundering yeah. like we we're not saying the right stuff we don't know it is tricky because it's um, the the sort of like rules surrounding these developmental processes are not sort of set in stone. It's not like a, I mean, there's like such a thing as a 29 hour reading, but that is sort of like an amorphous thing. It could sort of become any number of things. And you, there's no way to know before you get in the room what it might actually be. And it's just, I feel like it's just a learning process of everyone involved, right? Uh, actors, but also writers and directors of like, how best to use the time and you know everyone's in a different place on that curve we're all figuring it out together yes because now i feel like in a lot of ways 20 like true 29 hours are turning into like semi stage 29 yeah. hours mm-hmm. and labs are turning into full productions yeah. with mics and just a few week processes where you're like off book and you're doing it for like 50 people you know um so that's an interesting conversation Speaking of the off-bookness, that reminds me of Encores. Yes. Which reminds me of a new brain. Oh, my gosh. It was such... That is has been one of my favorite productions to work on to date. Because also, there's something about the... Um, I had done uh, Bells Are Ringing at the more traditional Encores, which was amazing. I thought what was cool about Encores Off Center is that you really have the ability to like change the material. That's cool. Yeah. Um, like, and, how, s- how so? Well, I guess, like... Uh, Bill Finn and James Lapine. I mean, it was the first time them being back together in a room with this material, in in a long time. And so they they took advantage of the time and they tweaked things. They took stuff out. Um, they wanted sort of the scope of the show to be slightly, uh, s- slightly different in 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 the way it felt. Um, and I think one of the coolest parts was when uh, Bill Finn had said he had never. Like to be out in the audience and hear his work like that in city center was just incredibly exciting. Um, it was a good group of people too. And since it was a small group, um, there was something very, like it really felt like a family only after that two week process. But I was just happy to be in that room. That was really awesome. That's so the best of both worlds of like the, the A, like that room and like that prestige, it is super glamorous and the thing of a material that you can have already known and loved and to be able to actually shape it and change it. And I used, um, I had a, so I knew that Bill Finn, uh, I know he loves Pop, Anna and Maggie's show. Uh, Pop who shot Andy Warhol, which I had played Valerie Solanas in like a few years yes. back. And so when the audition for A New Brain came up, really want to sing up your ass for the audition yes <laughs> and so i but but i know that it's it's difficult to play oh. and i got worried oh, that is. i um was going to go into this audition i was like it needs to actually fit right in this pocket like since i was auditioning for rhoda i kind of felt like she needs to kind of have some balls about her yeah and and a sense of humor and i had never been in a room with james lapine before and i knew it was going to be the team strictly at this audition um so i asked to I asked who was playing, and it was, it was Caleb Hoyer, and so Caleb and I got together before the audition. Great. Uh, and I, I had never really taken the time to be like, hey, you know what? I know that you're playing. Can we go through this together? That's so, so that smart. So that when I'm in there, 
I can feel comfortable, which of course, like saying it out loud, I felt like I cheated. Like I felt like I was like, <laughs> but I just, I was curious. But I was like, who, that's what this business who's is. playing like, and let me try to, and it was, it was amazing. Cause he loves the song. He loves that song. Amazing. And it created like a lot of nice conversation in the room. Um, and a sense of humor that I was really trying to have come across. And that is what I also love too, that it was a song from something that I had watched develop yeah. for a long time, yeah. bringing, you know, bringing it together with a project that was going to be in the city that, you know, people know and love and are going to come see. I just, the whole thing kind of connected together That's in a really amazing. cool way. Yeah. That actually, I was going to ask you about Up Your Ass. Oh actually, yeah. Because I love that song and I love your performance in that Thank song. you so much. And I've gotten a chance to sing a lot. I love it. Yeah. I think there are like three YouTube yeah, videos Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I just watched them all. Oh my gosh. I week. love it. Because I can't get enough. But I, I just know. like, it's remarkable to me to watch you sing that song because you do, like in one song, you like create this character who's like very different from your own personal energy. Oh, thank you. But you like imbue it with such, it's, it's full. It's super full. In just one song. And I also, I mean, I didn't get to see you in Disaster, but I do know you covered a bunch of different characters, including ones who were like pretty different from who you are. Yes. And I was just curious about how you go about like, like approaching playing a character who's so different from you. Like, how do you, how do you like fill it so well? I love that. Like the part of filling it is, is my favorite thing. Yeah. And a show like Disaster where, it's so many extremely colorful, yeah. um, bold characters in, in that comedic realm. Oh, my gosh. I was so excited about that. And I also, I had a different experience than I thought I would have. I, I, I'm friends with Jen Samard. And Jen Samard had played um, my mom in Academia Nuts <laughs> um, down at NIMP. Again, a grad connection. Mm -hmm. um, and so... I I um, told Jen, I was like, well, I really want to go in for disaster. There's times where I'm so overwhelmed by um, the support of actors around me who are willing to take the time and be like, great, I know the show, I can help. Mm -hmm. And so Jen and I talked about the characters because I was, I was going in for one of the three ladies in the ensemble who all play like features throughout, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I ended up going in and at that audition was reading for Sister Mary and Samard's character, Jackie, Rachel York's character, um, Ben and Lisa, who are twins, their girl and boy, which is played by a little boy who was Bailey Luttrell, um, Faith Prince, who was playing Shirley, right. um, and Carrie Butler in the show. Um, and so I, I went in auditioning for all the characters at once at yeah. that first because it wow. felt like it was... Um, more of like a even though it was the audition the whole team was there and so we spent the time going through all those characters I then did not get that that ensemble track but it was like hey we'd like for you to understudy um a couple of these ladies but then because they were going to hire one female swing and one male swing it was kind of like well with then understudying these roles and you swing the three ladies. So that was that was what I did. Yeah. And I, I went on. If we had about like 70-something performances, I was on 30 times. Wow. wow. Um, and I, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I had never swung before. That's a whole different thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a I, lot of material. I remember I ran into you when you, I think you were in rehearsals <laughs> yeah, or just started performances. That. Yes, yeah. And you, it seemed like you were sort of like in a fog. <laughs> I was, I was super stressed. And I think, um, it's just a I lot to like keep I, in I your head like at I can once. say this honestly. I don't think I've ever wanted to swing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's uh -huh. ever been something that I've, I've wanted to do. That's because I understand that even from an outside perspective, not doing it before, it's really difficult yeah. and it's really difficult for figuring how to fit in the cast yeah. in that mm -hmm. position mm -hmm. because you're not with everybody else. Right. You're, you're taking yeah. down notes and you're not luckily um, my swing mate, Paul Castry, who was also covering like all the men because, because what was happening is we were, we were understudying a few roles, um, a couple of roles and, and swinging, you know, 
all three, either of the men or the women. Mm -hmm. And then some of the ensemble members would also be understudying the other principals. Like oh. they would, we would split, uh -huh. right? But, but they don't learn, you know, you don't have understudy rehearsals before you open. Right. So for the weeks, like into your whole rehearsal process, like four weeks and then the four weeks of previews and into the first like few weeks after opening, you are everyone if you're in that position. Yeah. <sighs> like I am everyone if someone gets sick. Um, so luckily Paul had swung before and Paul is a Broadway vet and has some of the most incredible stories throughout his incredible career. I mean, his stories are just, I could sit for hours listening to him, but we worked together when I was a kid as well. And uh -huh. so I immediately felt comfortable with him. Um, and he, uh, he was like trying to, he was talking to me about like, well, you know, everybody has a different way of doing it. He's a very visual person. So he had like major index cards and formations and all that. But I realized during the process, I'm an ear learner. Me so too. a lot of my like, you know, my pages and everything, they're, they're, they're listening cues for myself. Mm -hmm. And we really didn't get a chance to stand up in the room, which was interesting too, huh. like to really learn things, you know, that way. I also broke a rib during that <gasps> show. What? And I, I broke one during Mamma Mia too, but I broke a rib on a different side oh. um, during that show. So that was like an interesting experience too because I'm like, I don't have time to break a rib. Was like, that ah. during a performance or was that? No, I was practicing uh, I was practicing a lift in a uh -huh. rehearsal and I was we were kind of uh, doing the lift slightly incorrectly. It's, uh -huh. a, it's a lift where the girl is flung over the guy's shoulder and then gets picked up. Like, you know, you kind of flip over and then the guy picks you up by your by your arms outstretched and you're there, there, he's behind you um and i my rib kept hitting like uh -huh. you know a part of my partner's shoulder things you just don't know until you're then like oh you know what something kind of hurts i went back to dr oh, weiss in the city and i was like i saw you a few years ago i was in my man i broke my rib <laughs> um but it was on a different side I, I really thought i was like i do not have time for this because people are getting the flu at my theater yeah. and oh my so God. but yeah i was on for faith for a week and that was yeah great there's like no net when you're doing a comedic show like that yeah it's like i'm trying to get laughs but mainly for me when i'm on i'm just like thrilled to be getting a chance to be anywhere near a role that <laughs> She's playing. I'm going to be different yeah. and I'm going to be, but I was definitely cast to play the range. Yeah. So yeah. especially with a show like that, where it's like, there's such huge characters that yeah. like a little Estelle Getty me can, can be the character too, you know? Great. Yeah. It's crazy. That's amazing. You didn't break a rib in Amelie, did you? I didn't. That's great. That was, you yes. broke the, you I know, broke the I know. <laughs> Hopefully like no more. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So I also not just to go through the tour of all the amazing shows. I'm like the biggest pretty filthy fan. Oh my gosh! Ugh. And it's been such an you know, yeah. an incredible. It, uh, it's been an interesting year with Michael having passed. Yeah. I'm thinking of just absolutely incredible memories of all of us in the room together, um, and I have so many recordings of just us <sighs> learning material. You know, where he's like, hey, you know, sit sit with me and I'm going to teach you this thing. And it's like, I so didn't cool. realize how special that was going to be till after the fact. Yeah. It's a great show. And um, I was curious what like the process of it was like based on because I know there's, you know, there's the interviews yes, and like yeah. how close you guys get to that source material and the idea of like the real person behind it or if you guys get it. And it's like, this is the script we've made this is our version of these people. That's what we get. And, and, and a lot of the, a lot of the interviews, like my character, Becky was a mix of a lot of the young women that, makes sense. that Steve Cosson, Bess Wall and Michael all met while they were doing these interviews. Um, and by the, but the other characters in, in the musical, those interviews are like word for word um, in, in the songs, in the script. Um, just one of the many great, great things about <laughs> Michael Friedman. I love the verbatim settings that yeah, feel so much like a song, but also so distinct and so unlike any other song yes. because they're so directly tied to that. So thing. honest, like so. And it was incredible to have, um, you know, a couple of the porn stars that were interviewed come to the show That's so cool. like to see themselves portrayed. <gasps> what did they have to say? They, well, I, I met, I think it was Jane Hamilton in the lobby of the Abron's Art Center. 
And, you know, we've never seen a lot of, like, like as we were rehearsing it, it wasn't as though I, I looked everybody up. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of was keeping that mystery, uh-huh. too. I'm listening to their interviews and kind of making my own picture of how yeah. they are, you know, in some ways. Yeah. Um, the people we named in the first number, I definitely was looking some of them up. But I want to keep my interpretation for me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was like, oh, my gosh, you're just like you know, my porn babies out there, like meaning like the younger generation. And because we're in the lobby, it's like that after the show thing where I'm like, wait, and it took me until after we had started speaking to realize, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> like you're watching you, you know? And oh, I guess man. that was the point that like, here's this woman who totally like walking in off the street to see this show and it, normal, normal person, like I guess normal isn't the right word, but living, living a normal life. Yeah porn star yeah wow <laughs> i love that she came that's so cool it was incredible it was really neat and a great a, a great process um inter- uh, we were down at abron's like in the dead of winter um and that kind of made us all super close as well because it's it's an interesting commute like to get to delancey there yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um during that during that kind of period of time where you you want to be cuddled up i felt like we were kind of incubating this thing in the room we're also trying to like stay warm Uh that's always also funny i mean like i feel i assume that everyone thinks the exact same way i do and like i feel pretty sex positive and like good about things like that do you have any sense of when you're in a role like that like oh well my parents are gonna see me you know like talking about sex i did yeah but i was proud of it i i was at the time uncomfortable for my dad to see it yeah. I regret that he didn't see it. I wish I would have pushed. Huh. But my mom was there. My aunt was there. My sister, my husband, his family <gasps> came to see it. Oh, wow. um, and I felt extremely powerful playing that role. Yeah. I learned a lot also from not wearing a lot of clothes yeah. and having my body shown in front of people in a way where I want you to see it. I want you to see it. And I want you to be aware that I'm comfortable as this character with you seeing it. Like, if you saw a little more than you thought, yeah. I love it. And there were times too where here I am and like in my hat and in my hoodies, like rehearsing. <laughs> the minute we did our like New York Times shoot, it's the first time all of us are kind of in the clothing that we're going to be wearing for the show. And most of mine are like, you know, pretty much short shorts, really tight dresses, showing midriff, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of fed off that energy of being looked at in not much. Like wow. I felt as though it was a different experience, even just for that, even even being in the show and wearing like a schoolgirl outfit and and simulating an orgasm during the mommy and me section of the show, um, feeling like I feel powerful in this moment and I feel different wearing what I'm wearing. My cast, like we're all reacting to each other differently in these clothes. Wow, cool. this audience is looking at me differently in a way that I'm, I'm not usually portrayed. I loved that. I, I thought that that was actually what I learned the most from that character of that strength of, well, sometimes I want you to see it. Yeah. That's and this was is so in line with times. the message of that show. Yeah, yeah. I want you to see it. That's amazing. I had a, I, I did a production of hair oh, in North Carolina. Hair. That was my first job out of college. Oh my gosh. And, but our production was kind of different because in our production, no one got naked except me because I played Claude. And the idea was at the end when he, you know, goes to war and dies in yeah. Vietnam. He, he, you know, I, I sang my little um, Manchester, England, England at the end. Yes. And then um, Let the Sunshine In started and I um, took off all my clothes on stage and just stood there completely naked in like the brightest light cue of the show. <laughs> Um, and it was like spo- the idea the director told me was like it's supposed to be like he's this vulnerable. It's just this vulnerable moment. Sure. And I I also learned the most about myself from doing that and about like my relationship to my body. And it's 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 it, it, it wasn't it, in that situation. It had nothing to do with sexuality. It was just like right. nudity. Yes. But um, but it made me realize that like those two things are often like very intertwined in the way that they don't have to be no I think they're very different yeah and I think that also I I appreciate like Steve Cosson who's the artistic director of the civilians and who I had met doing Spring Awakening before Pretty Filthy and that's actually when I heard about the show like in the kitchen of Olney Theater Center being with Steve and him talking about like oh we're actually trying to do this show that we just finished the interviews for Steve 
saw that part of myself that I hadn't been able to access on stage yet feeling comfortable feeling comfortable as a woman Mm. like knowing that I'm playing say in Spring Awakening a teenager but dipping into my part of this yeah me at my age playing a character who's a teen and a teen that is getting in touch with this like getting in touch with her body and having having the experience of knowing how powerful it is or not I think he I feel thankful that he's someone who who had faith in me that way and saw me like that um, because it's not something that I felt like up until that point I I, I felt like that part of myself was not accessed yeah. you know it takes one person to mm-hmm. sometimes like have that faith yeah it's so such an amazing gift you know this is like Again, it, this isn't about theater, so it has no place here, but... I bet I, it does. It's all related. I do this job, my day job, where it's... A lot of it's really, like, administrative coordination-type work, but it involves sort of, like, learning about some open-source technology because that's the project I'm supporting. And there was this, like, tech conference, and the guy who ran the tech conference was like, I would like you to give a presentation at this conference about, like, your company's philosophy about open-source. And it was so, like... I think if... If you'd asked me or anyone else, like, would it be a good idea for me to, like, give a presentation on this thing? It would have sounded crazy. But because this, like, person who I didn't know that well was like, they seem like you could do this. Yeah, they have the faith and they see something. And then I did it. And, you know, not that I, like, did particularly well, but I was so, like, proud and excited, like you said, to, like, access that part. Because we're governed by fear so much. I mean, as an artist, I feel this a lot, where fear governs a lot of my thoughts about how to prepare for an audition. It governs how I work on a character. It governs um, what I wear on a certain day, like how I show off my my physical life, um, what I'm like in a dance call, like things that are just, you know, and, and I think that it, it has that ability to once once it starts to block you, it mm-hmm. will do anything it can. Yeah. Like the way that you can convince yourself to to really have the fear that you aren't able to say give a presentation yeah or i'm not able to show that womanly part of myself even though i want to do that in this business i want to be a little of everything yeah. you know i want to have the ability to really dive into a project like that and it helps it's hard to know that fine line between when your fear is like driving you to say do something really smart like oh i'll just see if the the audition pianist can meet in advance and <laughs> when it's blocking yes. you <laughs> yes i know i know and and it's it's funny because my my husband finished doing the artist way, oh, uh-huh. and, uh huh, and it's had it's had an absolutely inc- like astonishing effect on how he views himself. I in, don't totally know what, what doing. the artist way is. I feel like it's about getting back in touch with the child inside, getting back in touch with that creative force that a lot of. Uh, growing up and putting that adult fear on top of it, the things that we have to do to kind of like get through this life, to put everything in boxes, you know, this is a way of getting back in touch with when you didn't have that fear, you know, and, and, and connecting with that, that youthful creative part of yourself where it's no fear, you know, or you can at least, you can use it in a way where you're like, okay, well, I know this is around, but I can accomplish a goal. I can create, I I I realize that jealousy is ruling me today. I realize that, um, you know, fear is ruling me today. Uh, I'm not able to get up from this obstacle. I'm feeling like I don't I don't have the, I don't deserve to create. And it's a I th- I think it's a great way of getting back in touch with it. I've never done it. So I've watched him do it, and I feel like I want to take a step like that because, I think sometimes we need those like check ins. Yeah. You know, the cha- changing things up or being able to um, start a practice mm-hmm. of some kind that's going to be a reminder that you're not just defined by your work. Mm. Can we do one last question? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I keep saying this, but I want to bring it back to what you were saying about Mamma Mia. Yes. Because you were sort of saying that, like, during that process, you sort of realized that you needed this other outlet and like the it sort of clarified in your mind like what you wanted out of your career I yes. guess a little bit and so I guess I'm just wondering like now if you're like 
like how would you define those like goals now like when you're thinking about what's coming next like what are you thinking about I definitely want the things that I felt like we were all talking about at the end of college um the part of it that's still like well I want I want to carve a path that's acknowledged Mm. people know about I find often though that I'll think this thought and then immediately sort of at my heart center, the more powerful thing, the, the goal that I really have is to feel like whatever work I'm getting the chance to work on, that I, I'm, my goal is to really create a full character and be a part of telling a story. And that's really what I want. Yeah. I want to continue doing that. And I don't know what that means. Like, I'm not sure if that means that, yes, I would love to do more Broadway shows. I'd love to do more regional shows. I'd love to do shows off Broadway. I'd love to do just be in the room more for ground floor projects. But in all of it, I am just wanting to tell powerful stories and I want to be I want to be a small piece of that. I, I I think that's why you're such a good performer because your goal is is like serving this storytelling which is what it all boils down to. I truly think all three of us have it's like when you feel like you're connecting off that energy I do feel that in this room like we have that same goal, you know? Yeah. I love that. Cool. Elise, thank you so much. I appreciate you having us. me. Thank you so much. You're the this best. has been really thank wonderful. You, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay. Is that it? <laughs>